I want to encourage you to take your Bibles and turn, please, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. And as we talked about this morning, it's very clear that the relationship that the Lord wants to have with you and me is intensely personal. When you open up the Old Testament, the very beginning, you read about a God who walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, and they had a relationship that was personal. You read about Abraham, who was called a friend of God, and, and that was a relationship that was personal. Moses had a personal relationship with God. King David had a personal relationship with God. And, and all of that came through revelation that God provided to them as individuals. For the majority of people, the revelation that they had was the Old Testament, and for us, it's the Bible. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Together, they make up the Scripture, and through that Scripture, God has revealed himself. Everything that we need to know on this side of heaven about God, he has given us that information in his word. But is that all he wants to do? In sending his son, Jesus Christ, he makes it very clear for us that he wants an intensely personal relationship with you and me. He could have revealed himself in many different ways, but he chose to do it as an ordinary human being, and he came in that form to show us how much he loves us and how much he wants to be with us and how much he wants us to be with him. And I think this teaching of Jesus makes it clear because the tendency that we have as human beings is to be what we called a couple of weeks ago is to be religionists, people who are caught up in the, in the do's and the don'ts and the rules and the regulations and this is what it means to be good and righteous and this is what's sinful and bad and that is the sum of our religion and if we do this and we get enough uh, good points then when we die God will just let us sail right on into heaven because we're, we're good people and we will have completely missed the objective of the gospel which is to bring you and me into a relationship with a living God. And so in this particular chapter, Jesus is addressing a group of people who have been raised in one environment, one kind of religious environment to believe a certain thing, and they're going to make a discovery that God wants a relationship with them that is intensely personal. And so I'm calling this tonight, you and God and no one else. You and God and no one else to describe this part of the relationship he wants to have with you. And so beginning in Matthew 6, Jesus um, is teaching. This is the very middle of the Sermon on the Mount. In the midst of this teaching, he says in chapter 6, verse 1, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so he says to be careful. And it means to make it a habit, to be constantly vigilant that you don't do this, that your motivation is not this, that the reasoning why you do what you do is not this, to be seen by others. Our society does not understand in fact, we would have a lot of appreciation for the Pharisees in our modern day culture because they did everything out in the open where everybody could see. Our culture has no idea what a boundary is. That there are things about you that I should not know. 
and things about me that you should not know. That there are boundaries around our lives, around marriages, around homes, and inside those boundaries, certain people have admission and have a place, and others do not. I know as my children were growing up, sometimes they would hear us talk about church things, and uh, they would hear mom and dad talk about church things when we'd be in the car. And, and so when I realized that they were listening, they weren't back there slapping each other or whatever they were doing in the back seat, that when I realized they were listening, I would just say this to them. It was code language, but they knew exactly what it meant. I said, kids, I said, this is family talk. And when I said those words, this is family talk, a, a wall went up around the vehicle. And they understood that, that this conversation was nobody else's business, that this conversation belongs in the family. And, and that's true of couples, and that's especially true of your relationship with God. There is a place where it's just you and God and no one else. And so I want us to talk about that. Jesus goes on to give us three examples of what it looks like when we're pursuing God and no one else can see and no one else is looking. And so the first example he gives us is in verses 2 through 4, but here's the statement Here's the first example. When I obey God, for example, when I obey God, there should be no noise. I should do it almost secretly. When I obey God, there should be no noise. Listen to what he says in verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand Know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So giving to the needy literally means acts of compassion or acts of mercy. This typically involved money. And Jesus is telling us two things about our giving. If it's about me and God and nobody else, he says, let your giving be done with a couple of characteristics. It should be anonymous. Now, no one believes there were real trumpets that Jesus was talking about. That nobody, nobody really did that. Nobody really said, here comes the offering bucket, and as it gets to me, watch this, I'm reaching in my pocket and I'm putting something in there. Nobody did that. But he's, he's, he's exaggerating to make the point. It should be anonymous. The point is not to advertise Noise or calling attention to my service, my ministry, my act of obedience kills its value to my Father, and I can expect nothing from that. It should be anonymous. A second characteristic, it should be unconscious. He says, he says, you do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It should be unconscious. Now, hands, he's, he's, he's talking like the left hand can see what the right hand's doing. There's no eyes on here. But he's making a point, okay? The left hand, he said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, they don't see each other, but, but do it and forget about it. Do it and forget about it. Don't look for praise. Don't look for pats on the backs. Don't look for attaboys. Don't look for thank yous. Should we encourage one another? Sure, we should encourage one another. But when I do the things I do because God has led me and God has directed me, I do it for him, and he's the only one that needs to know about it. Anonymous and unconscious. I, t 
when I lived in California, we had a lady in our church. Her name was Jessie, Jessie Morton. Jessie is with Jesus now many, many years. When I was with her, she was in her late 80s, and we used to go out on visitation together. We would go see people in their homes in, in Southern California, Los Angeles, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills. We would go up to those doors and knock on the doors, and Jessie would be that right there with me. Now, I didn't call her Miss Morton. She said, I was born, they gave me the name Jesse, use my name. That's the way she wanted to be called, so I called her Jesse. Well, we were in the van riding somewhere one time, and um, we, a couple of us were going to go, and we are taking Jesse because we, we would visit nursing homes, and she said, you know, we have to take care of our old people. And most of the people we saw were younger than her. But, um, but we, would, we would go out, and she began telling me a story one night about a former pastor's wife years ago who, whenever someone would do something nice for their family, never said thank you, never sent a thank you note, never acknowledged what had been done, never did it. And it really bothered Jesse. It disturbed her terribly that this pastor's wife never said thank you and never sent a thank you note. And, and so when the time came for that pastor and his wife, they were leaving and there was a farewell event at the church, Jesse gave the pastor's wife a box of thank you notes as a, as a going away gift. And she said, as sitting there in the van as we were driving around that night, she said, and you know what, Don, she didn't send me a thank you note. <laughs> oh, I loved her. All right. When I obey God, there should be no noise. We shouldn't worry about those things. We can't. We do what we do for the Lord, and we don't look back. Secondly, here's another example, okay? And now all we're doing is talking about something that indicates how personal a relationship the Lord wants to have with you. If I'm, if I'm serving him, obeying God, there should be no noise. It's not about what anybody else hears or sees. It's not about calling attention to me. It's about him seeing me. Second example he gives. When we talk, no one else should hear. No one else should hear. And um, if I could today or tonight say to you, there's a place where you can go, and if you will go there tonight, I can promise you, I can guarantee you that when you go to that place, God will meet you there. I promise you. Would you want to know where that place is? In verse 5, he tells you, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and the NIV says close the door, but literally in the original language the word your is there, so he says go into your room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Do you think he's emphasizing something? then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, the problem is not uh, a problem with public prayer, by the way. Public prayer is, is perfectly okay. It's public attention-getting prayer that Jesus is talking about here. And it's not really directed to God, but it's directed to everybody else. And, and he's talking about that kind of prayer. And by the way, that shouldn't be the only time you pray. If, if you only pray in public, only pray at mealtimes, you, you're missing you have not received the whole enchilada of what God intends for you in your prayer life by any means. And so our prayer should be marked by a couple things. It should be marked first by privacy. 
He says he referred to your room and, and then a door in the original text and the Father. And so your room, your door, your Father. This is not a place where others join in. It is just you and him. If anything in God's word speaks to the level of intimacy that he wants with you and me, it's this passage right here. Go into your room, close your door, and your father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. He wants to be with you. It's not just the correct way to pray. The the entire statement of the verse is, God is saying to you and me, I am waiting for you. If you go here, I'm going to meet with you. If you you act like this, if you're serious about this, where it's just you and me and nobody else, you have my full attention, son or daughter. And so I need to recognize that there's an inner life here, and I'm going to close with, with that thought in just a moment, but there's a third example that he gives. Now, in the verses that follow after verse 6, in verses 7 to 15, he has some other teachings about prayer, including the teaching about the model prayer, an outline prayer called the Lord's Prayer. But then he comes back in verse 16, he's going to tell us something else. So here's the third example he gives. When I'm drawing close to God, my efforts should be concealed. When I'm drawing close to God, my efforts should be concealed. I shouldn't be saying, well, okay, I'm going to get close to God. You know, you don't announce it. I'm fixing to be holy. It sounds silly just to say it. Verse 16, here's what he says. When you fast... Now, that's, that's serious, okay? If you're, if you're going to fast, you're getting serious. I'm getting serious when I fast, all right? When you fast, he says, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I am absolutely miserable for God. I mean, that's the way they were doing on their face. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, Uh, that's like grooming your hair, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father. Again, who's your audience? Nobody else, just you and God and no one else. Obvious only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, the Pharisees, they fasted on Mondays and Thursdays. Regularly, every week, they fasted on Mondays and Thursdays, and they let everyone know about it. Oh, I can't go to lunch with you today. I'm fasting. And that's how they behaved. Well, the frequency of their fasting wasn't the problem. It was their face while they were fasting. Fasting is to be marked by a couple of things, according to this text. First of all, outward normalcy. Outward normalcy, don't change your appearance or your schedule, just act normal. You don't have to discuss it or call extraordinary attention to it if you're fasting. Uh, It's also marked by an inward intensity. The whole purpose of fasting is to carve out time where you would have spent eating and just to allow extra time to be focused on the Lord. Alone, quiet, focused on Him. And so I would close with this, this question. Do you have a secret place? I'm not asking you tonight if you give secretly, pray secretly. 
fast secretly. I'm asking you, do you have a secret place? What Jesus is calling you and I to is in the midst of an insanely busy world that you and I carve out a place in our soul where it's just you and God and nobody else. And not just once in a while, not just a few minutes in the morning or a few minutes at night. We call that a quiet time, and surely you want to carve out time to be alone with God, to literally do what he says, to go into your room and close your door and see, be alone with your father. But, but this is something that when you come out of that room, you still have with you. When you come out of that time alone with God, you still have a secret place. You know where it is? It's right here. And even surrounded by thousands of people in a grocery store, at a sporting event, or whatever the case may be, thousands of people, there's still a secret place in your soul where it's just you and God and nobody else. And he desires that. And so the kind of life that he's called you and I to as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, is not a life where it's just a matter of do's and don'ts and check marks, and I got that right, I got that wrong. It's not a life of just trying to be good so that I'm not bad. It's a life that he has called you to himself. And he's calling you to carve out a space where it's just you and God and nobody else. Isn't that cool? I wonder if... if um, and he says in all three of those examples, by the way, Matthew 6, verse 4, and verse 6, and verse 18, if I will do my life like this, if I will do my life for him with an audience of one, if I will do my life for his attention, and I'm really not trying to get anybody else's attention, he says, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And, and literally it says, then your Father who sees what is done in secret, literally that is the secret place. Your father who sees what is done in the secret place. He says that in verse 4 when he's talking about giving. He didn't, he sees what's done in secret, but it's the secret place. So you're giving, okay, you drop the money in the bucket, whatever the case is, you're giving, but he says you're doing it in a secret place. Now in the praying, you know about the secret place, you go in your room and close the door, but then he talks about fasting. Well, you may go about your day, wash your face, he says, groom yourself, act normal. And you go about your business, he says, and then your father who sees what's done in the secret place. Well, you're not in that room anymore, are you? You're out doing normal things. You're doing life. So what's the secret place? Well, the secret place is more than just a room a few minutes a day. The secret place is your heart. And your father who sees what is done in the secret place will reward you. Do you have a secret place? It's the most precious the safest, the most amazing and wonderful place in the universe is that place where you can come and know that your Father wants to meet with you, just you and Him and nobody else. You know He desires that of you? There's not a, anyone in here, in here who's accepted from that. No one's an exception. Everyone here, He wants a secret place, secret audience with you.